This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. City are through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup thanks to a comfortable victory over Bristol City at Ashton Gate. We're here to look back at that game and discuss what it means for the rest of the season. It's Wednesday, March 1st. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Alex Burlington. And I'm George Gamble. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome back to the show, chaps. Alex, how are things? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. Um, all the better for watching that. It was really nice performance, wasn't it? Really good. Um, really quite an entertaining game. Um, but yeah, personally, I'm, I'm not too bad. Perhaps a little tired, but um, not too tired to come on and, and talk to my favourite City podcasters. Glad to hear it. George? <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing well, much much like Alex. Obviously, very uh, very nice to to see us win. Um, I was saying to you just off air before. I you know I work for the for the fan channel at um, the club channel at Bristol City, so it's only a mile and a half down the road. So um, I couldn't hear anything though from from where I am. So I, I kind of guessed that Bristol City hadn't quite got on the score sheet, which is a uh, which was really nice to hear. I'm doing all right myself. I mean, I'm wearing a bomber jacket indoors because I'm so cold. But apart from that, I'm all good. I'm glad to hear it. Was there any conflicting feelings for you with uh, the club that you love beating the club that you work for? Not at all. <laughs> did, Not did, you, at all. did you sympathize with any co-workers who might be Bristol City fans? Yeah, so a, a good friend of mine texted me before the game. Obviously, it was like the nerves are building, but I mean, obviously, a great atmosphere there. And I think, if anything, actually, it allowed me to watch the game in a, in a bit of a different perspective because I could kind of see it from both, both perspectives. And... Um, you know, noticing some of the players for, for Bristol City who, you know, 
you've been spoken to and you know how excited they are for this game. The general buzz has been going on for since the draw was announced, and some of these players you could tell how much they were up for it. So yeah, it was weirdly it's the first time I've watched a game in that kind of manner. But for me, you know, I've always been been Man City, so it wasn't too conflicting. I wanted us to get the win. We got that. But I'm also pleased because, you know, Bristol City, I thought, performed quite well. But obviously, we'll, we'll speak a bit more about them shortly. But um, yeah, good evening all round, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it had the feel of a potential banana skin uh, from the off. Big atmosphere, full stadium. Um, and yeah, a bit, bit of a slow game at the start. But let's get into it. Alex, what were your just kind of brief overall thoughts on the performance before we get into the, the nitty gritty? Um, yeah, overall thoughts. I thought it was really good performance. Um sort of continuing the trend of the last couple of games, really, because obviously they dropped points, but City were pretty good at, at Nottingham Forest, created a lot of chances, just didn't take them. Obviously really good against Bournemouth. And and today I thought was another, like, quite a slick performance. Um, credit, I guess, to Bristol City in the way they played. Uh, they didn't just sort of sit, sit, you know, 10 outfielders behind the ball and make City break them down. So there, there was, they attacked City, um, it was more like a, a sort of an away Premier League fixture in a way, um, rather than you know a game at a team that's ultimately in the division below. So obviously there was space for City to attack, um, which meant we kind of saw more of a transition kind of uh, sort of direct City performance and you know the controlled passing for ten minutes before creating a chance. Um, and I thought you know that obviously the way Guardiola set up, he must have expected that you know both Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden. Um, Phil Foden was absolutely excellent. Um, you know, he's, it's really nice to see, isn't it? Because obviously last few months have been a bit, um, been a bit off for him, what with the injuries and, you know, maybe the sort of the feeling that he was part of the, um, the sad faces kind of group behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, another good performance after a really great, uh, great performance on Saturday. Um, and then De Bruyne as well. Um, we were saying in our group chat that, you know, first half, there was a few instances where, yes, he, he got that sort of nice pre-assist for, for Foden's opener. But there was other another few sort of times where, you know, there weren't necessarily massive mistakes, but there were passes that we know De Bruyne should be making because of how good he is. And it just wasn't coming off. It, it sort of felt like he was just trying to put the ball in an area without the usual accuracy. Um, that he normally has. And then second half, you know, he pulls off a ridiculous pass that um, results in Foden's second goal. And then obviously that that third goal to wrap it all up is just, you know, perhaps you could say the goalkeeper perhaps wasn't quite set. Um, but, you know, De Bruyne's awareness to just take it on the run, just scoop it into that far corner was absolutely beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I focused on those two, those two players, but all around I thought it was a great performance. Um, I guess, yeah, City showed the game respect it deserved which I think they perhaps didn't when they lost to Southampton in the Carabao Cup um it was an intense performance they rode out the tricky moments of which there were a fair few um and and yeah solidly defense solid defensively and uh, in the end they got um they got into like top gear and attack after wasting a few chances but um plenty of encouraging things for sure yeah certainly solid defensively like you said first clean sheet in six games so that's that's a huge bonus to take away and you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden two players that if City are going to do anything this season if they're going to win anything this season they're two players that you know are going to have to find their feet so a huge huge bonus with the victory um George just looking at the lineup there's maybe a bit of a stronger lineup than some people expected you know we we uh, me Amos and uh Ali I believe were on on yesterday's show kind of looking ahead to this game and thinking well 
you know, maybe we'll see Sergio Gomez, maybe even Maximo Perone. Um, you know, it was good to see Phillips in there. But when you look at that lineup with De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, you know, a back three of Ake, Diaz, and Akanji, it's a pretty strong lineup given the the circumstances. Yeah, for sure. I mean, personally for me, I wasn't too surprised. Again, it's difficult for me as we've already touched upon, you know, in terms of me knowing about Bristol City. And I, I think Pep respects them, them massively. And, you know, no one can delve into data and analyse a team more thoroughly than Pep Guardiola and, and his side. And, you know, Bristol City, they've gone unbeaten um, for the last 12 games, I think they said as well. Only only Burnley, alongside Bristol City, have yet to lose a game in, in 2023. And you know, so there was a, a massive amount of, of respect there. And and it was one, I think, I think it was the right choice. You you heard how, you know, obviously hostile and how loud Ashton Gate was this evening. And it, it, was, it was a fantastic spectacle. It really was. So personally, for me, I was really hoping Pep did go with a, you know, not a too strong lineup in terms of, you know, do we really need to play Harlan in a game, you know, like this? Probably not. And if it's a game that potentially does get heated, you know, it's a massive occasion for, for Bristol City and their fans. Um, you know, you don't want it to spill over. You don't want to pick up a silly injury in this sort of game to to some pivotal players. But no, so yeah, I was really happy with, with the strength of the team. Um, just kind of in terms of the game as a whole, like I completely agree with that with Alex on basically everything he said there. I was really impressed with Phil Foden. Some of his touches tonight were just magnificent. I, I kind of felt, you know, is it going to take it? It never usually takes him that long to kind of get back into the swing of things, but it just straight away, he's just come in. And for example, there's, um, I think it might, at some point in the, the first half, I believe, just, you know, he cuts cra- straight across Mark Sykes and just plucks it out of the air. And it's the most sublime touch. Um, and as you mentioned in the group chat with Kevin, I just wanted to say as well, for me, football's about moments. You know, a game can be decided by by moments. And even if Kevin's not playing that well in terms of his general game, might be missing a few passes, no one provides those moments like Kevin De Bruyne does. He can he can be a bit dodgy, he can be a bit off. Uh, but before you know it, he's pulling something absolutely world-class out of the bag. And we saw that on plenty of occasions this evening. Um, so I think his inclusion was important. I think it was a really, potentially a key game for him Although it's only against Bristol City, um, with, you know, with all due respect, they're, they're a side that, that Man City should be beating uncomfortably. But Kevin's been off the boil for a while, it seems. So a game like tonight, where we've seen glimpses of him back to his best, it can only be a good thing for us uh, in the run-in for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and looking at that lineup, Alex, you know, we were discussing on yesterday's show that where City are at the moment, they don't really have the ability to rotate in you know the fringe players quote unquote your palmers and gomez and maximo perone and players like that because like kevin de bruyne like phil foden like bernardo silva you've got big bona fide first team stars that haven't been at their peak and you need to get them going and this was the perfect opportunity to get them going wasn't it yeah exactly um obviously different reasons I guess um De Bruyne doesn't seem to have been himself since the World Cup and then he's had that illness recently hasn't he and Guardiola said you know uh well obviously he, he was on the bench at Bournemouth I think um and he said he felt a lot better ahead of today but not quite there so I feel like this kind of game the way that it panned out how it was quite a dynamic game a lot of running involved I think that would have helped him rather than just you know um a sort of a City having all of the ball and just passing it around for ages. I think that kind of helped. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough on the guys. You know, we were all kind of thinking, oh, you know, Gomez isn't in the lineup. What does that say about him? Um, you know, there is a feeling that Guardiola perhaps doesn't really trust him too much. Um, 
but then again it's as you say is you know uh it's not easy just he doesn't have a divine right to play just because he doesn't play much in the league so he's got to play in the cups you know there's other there's tactical factors that go into it the fact that you know Guardiola obviously wanted to play uh De Bruyne in there he wanted to play um he wanted to play Bernardo in there so maybe he wanted a left back option like Ake that was a bit more solid um you know, especially if they're going to be holding down that left flank, um, and you know, have Lewis on the other on the other side tucking into midfield. So, yeah, it's um, it's always a tricky balance, isn't it? And I think we're never always going to be one hundred percent happy with the lineup that we play. As we think, you know, we've seen it a lot recently with Julian Alvarez, haven't we? Like people calling for him to start. I think that's only going to you know now that he's apparently the seventh best player in the world. Is it? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I quite agree with that, but um, you know, he did have a very good World Cup, so. Yeah, I, I can imagine we'll, we'll just get more of that whenever he doesn't play. But it's, you know, ultimately, I think Guardiola was right to go with a strong team. Saw some people saying, you know, oh, why are we playing these players? But, you know, there's no point wrapping up these incredible talents, wrapping them up in cotton wool, you know, if they need to play into form. And also, when as, um, as George alluded to, you know, Bristol City are a good team. You can't just go there and, you know, all right, put all the kids out because they're in the championship. We can we can rotate all 11 players it doesn't work like that um if you do that then you're asking to be knocked out um and yeah city obviously do want to you know try and win the fa cup for only the second time it'll be in in guardiola's tenure so um i was pretty happy with the lineup and yeah i can i can understand why you know it'd be nice to see more of the guys like phillips and gomez but sometimes it's just just not possible is it and i'm sure that the the game down at Southampton in the Carabao Cup was a bit of a wake-up call for Guardiola as well, that he maybe doesn't have, you know, players 17, 18, 19, and 20 to count on like he he once did between, you know, 2017 and, and 2020. So sticking in the midfield, uh, one player that Alex mentioned there at the end, George, is, is Calvin Phillips. So obviously kind of a polarizing figure at City at the moment. A lot of, a lot of people thinking he's not cut out to be at City, a lot of people saying, well, give it time, give it time. What did you make of him on the night? Because I believe it was his first full 90 minutes in a City shirt. Um, felt a bit sluggish in the in the opening uh, at the start of the game, but he did kind of work his way into the game and start to influence a bit more. But what was your take on Calvin on the night? Um, it kind of went through phases for me throughout the course of the 90 minutes. Um, at first, I was sort of like, right, well, it's, you know, he needs to have a good game. Obviously, he... <laughs> He struck the bar, but just before that, he played a bit of a, a bit of a hospital pass into the midfield. Um, so you know, even in the space of I think two minutes, you saw you know both sides of the coin with Calvin Phillips. But as we were going through, the problem is I was watching him um, in comparison to what it's like watching Rodri, mm. and I don't think that's a fair assessment because if you're comparing someone to Rodri who's not played that much, you're always going to think they're not at that level. Um, so I, I do think personally, I think he needs a little bit of time. Um, I think he needs to have a bit more game time amongst this squad to know what is required of him. Um, there's obviously so many varying opinions in terms of, you know, he's, he's not got the right mentality to be at Man City. He's not fitting in. He's not doing things right. But I personally think Calvin's a player that will, will try his best. Yeah, he's not had the best of starts. Obviously, he got that injury as well, which wasn't helpful. So his start to his Man City career has not exactly been conducive to a settling a good settling in period so personally for me particularly as you know we as city fans know when you when you sign for for you know city and pep guardiola very rarely do players hit the ground running you know it takes them a while to adjust and before you know it we're saying what a brilliant acquisition that was what a player 
And I think you just got to give them a little bit more time. Um, you know, obviously, maybe in the future we'll say, you know what, it's just not quite working out. But for now, I don't think it's fair. I thought tonight he did his job okay. I think he did it well. I think it was clear that he was slightly rusty. You know, there was a few occasions when I was watching it and I kind of thought, you know, Rodri would be right there snapping at the heels of that player or he'd be cleaning up. He'd be offering himself as an option and Calvin wasn't there all the time. But I think that sort of thing will come. Um, I'm trying to sort of, I don't know, they play different positions, but in a similar kind of way, but for different reasons. I know that sounds like a complete you know, paradox, but still with, with Grealish, you know, he's struggled so much. And now he's been one of the best players that we've got because he's had that run of games. He's built his confidence. And I think that's something that Calvin Phillips need. But from what I saw of him tonight, you know, I, I think there's a player there, definitely, for sure. Um, and I think given a little bit more time to settle in, I think he, he could uh, easily be another great acquisition. I think he could easily be a good understudy to to Rodri. And, you know, you want it to get to a point where it doesn't matter which one of them plays, you know that they'll do a good job. And right now it's not quite at that level. But I think as long as he stays injury-free and as long as he stays in Pep's good books, I think he'll be okay. But time will tell. Well, it's perfect that you mentioned Rodri because we went through the same situation with him when he signed for the club in, in exactly. 2020 or 20, yeah, 2020. And, you know, he came in and, and we are all were comparing him to Fernandinho, who at the time was probably the best holding midfielder that this league has ever seen. And what was, what was Rodri's nickname in the first year? Plodri, I think was what the city fans online were calling him for a while. And he was a bit of a pylon. He didn't, he didn't get around very quickly. And, you know, now we, we wouldn't know where we'd be without him. So, um, like any player, like you said, that, that signs for this club, they have to be given a little bit of time. And, and I don't know about you, Alex, but I get the impression, just the few chances we've had to seen, to, to see Calvin Phillips in a city shirt, bear with me on this comparison, but he reminds me of Yaya Torre in the sense that he moves so slowly and so effortlessly that it looks like he's not trying whatsoever and I think it gives off the impression that he's just kind of going through the motions when actually it's just aesthetically how he looks. Do you do you get that feeling at all? Because I was kind of thinking back to Yaya Torre during that game today. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get what you mean. It's yeah, he doesn't it's have the electric burst. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the electric burst. Uh, we haven't seen Calvin Phillips run through twelve Villa players <laughs> to score yet, but. Yeah. Do, do you understand yeah. the comparison I mean, I'm trying to make there? I've, I've seen so little of him for City, as we all have. That I, but I look remembering back to um, to Euro 2020. Um, he, he made it look quite easy in that England midfield, didn't he? Playing in the, the double pivot alongside Declan Rice, um, I do remember that. Um, but yeah, it's you know he isn't. Um, he, he sort of it's strange, isn't it? Because you kind of think of him as a more sort of combat, say it, combative, <laughs> combat guy to be um, midfielder than uh, Rodri, um, but he's he isn't like a Fernandinho either, is he? He's not a player that's going to do the job of two or three others and dive into every tackle. He is more of a, a Rodri type, I think. Um, obviously, you know. Clearly not with the quite, you know, with the understanding yet of the Guardiola system. Um, I'm not sure he'll ever quite have the the kind of awareness and press resistance that um, that Rodri has. But you know, it, as as you both said, it is just a matter of time. Um, it takes time, and you know, it took Mares, you know, a good year. It's it's only just sort of clicking for Grealish now, and neither of them had big, you know, huge injury issues, and it's just been an absolute nightmare for Calvin, hasn't it? So. Um, I can I can see where you're coming from, you know. Maybe name dropping Yaya Torre is a bit 
<laughs> much, but it's um, but I do it got you point across. Yeah, he definitely isn't a sort of snapping at heels midfielder. He he does have that Rodri kind of um, composure quality. He just needs to needs to get that sharpness, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to to one final player before we go into part two here, and and that's Julian Alvarez. And I thought he was uh, fine today at, at Bristol, but. The co-commentator on the U.S. broadcast, I think it was Stuart Robson, was just absolutely shitting on him for 90 minutes, saying that he wasn't getting in the correct positions to get on the end of of Foden crosses and De Bruyne crosses. He was giving the ball away a lot. Um, What did you make of him, George? Because it felt to me like I was watching a completely different game to one of the commentators. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. As you said, they were absolutely shitting on him. Um, Again, I think whether that comes into play of the f- fact they they see it kind of black and white as this is a championship team because the player he's he's just won the World Cup he should be absolutely being everywhere he should be able to do this he should be able to do that and obviously as we know it's it's not that straightforward. Um, I thought Alvarez did quite well. I thought he was everywhere. I mean, not that obviously you can see the graphics on here, but I I love all my data and stuff like that. So I was even looking at the heat maps because I was watching him and I wanted to see just because he reminds me so much of. For me, he's kind of like a blend of Tevez and Aguero. And again, similar to your comparisons, bear with me, in that he has that work rate and the tenacity of Tevez, but I feel like he has a bit more finesse and the finesse of, say, Sergio Aguero knowing where to be at that close control. Um, and yeah, I was actually quite impressed. You know, he's not going you know, to score every game. He's not going to be getting into positions every game. I think he did well. I think he helped bring other people into the game. He occupied the space. And I think he did everything that Pep Guardiola would have wanted from him. You know, he occupied that back line. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very surprised to to hear that, that they weren't happy with him. But um, obviously there's been a lot of commotion and a lot of uh, news rumours doing the rounds about him potentially wanting out because he wants to start more games. He wants to be the main man after his exploits at the World Cup. Not quite sure if I believe all of those considering where, where those rumours have, uh, have started from. But no, for me, I thought he did okay tonight. I thought it was... I'm trying to think of one player who had a really, really bad performance. But if I'm thinking of some, Alvarez certainly isn't amongst that group. Yeah, I think it's important to remember, Alex, that this isn't Erling Haaland. You know, if if a player like Alvarez is in the team and the things that we speak about Alvarez being so good at, his his energy, his pressing, the fact that he gets around the pitch as, as much as George mentioned, he's not always going to be waiting on the penalty spot to tap home chances like an Erling Haaland. So he does offer something else to the team, even if it's not goals, goals, goals. Yes, he's playing at striker, but he gives you the energy. He gives you the pressing. And even if he's not scoring a goal a game or even a goal every two games, he's still extremely valuable to the way that City are going to play. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't want to fall down the kind of the trap of describing any striker that isn't like a, a, penal, a six-yard box poacher as a false nine. But, you know, he played as an out-and-out striker tonight but he feels more like a false nine than, say, Haaland. So, say, there's a few times um, where, you know, he'd drop off the front line and sort of create an extra option to pick up a pass, um, which kind of just made City... It just seemed like City had more options when, you know, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of of talking about how City play with Haaland and how they're adapting and this, that and the other. But sometimes, you know, we've all seen the games this season where it kind of looks like they're just sort of lumping balls in towards an area, hoping Haaland's going to get there. Whereas tonight, obviously, there was factors as in there was more space to play in. It was uh, um, sort of an end-to-end game at times, but it felt like they always had that extra option that Bristol City just couldn't 
cover um, because Alvarez was always open to a pass. Or if he wasn't dropping deep, he was making like the sort of Haaland style runs in behind the defence, which he didn't really get receive those passes, but he was still making the runs, um, creating a nuisance. And yeah, so I think it's it's great. You know, we talk about particularly in defence um, and on the wing, you know, with the departures of Zinchenko and and Jesus, that um, City perhaps don't have the different types. You know, they had multiple types of players in multiple positions last season. But now I think it's a good thing that they have a striker that is, isn't is just another Haaland, isn't just another sort of um, out-and-out goal scorer. He, he is perhaps more comfortable um, dropping a bit deeper, getting a bit more involved, can play as a number eight, as we saw. Um, I think it was against Leipzig, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so I think it's, you know, it's. I thought it was good tonight. I don't agree with um, whichever commentator you said that was. Um, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, you know, it'd be nice if he scored a few more goals, but if he's playing the way that he did tonight, he's not always going to be, you know, in the six-yard box to get on the end of things. But um, I thought it was a it was a good all-round performance from him. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City coverage. George, I'm going to come to you on this one first uh, in the last few minutes here because just looking at the the run the run in for the rest of the season and looking at City's um, trophy chances here. It feels like, you may disagree, but it feels like the FA Cup could be City's best chance at silverware this season. Just looking at the the rest of the fixtures going on today, Fulham went through, Brighton went through, Blackburn Rovers went through. Tomorrow we've still got Southampton, Grimsby, Burnley, Fleetwood, Man United, West Ham, Sheffield United, Tottenham still to play. Um, but given the fact that they have yet to string together more than three wins uh, in any competition, but obviously in the Premier League, given the fact that it's City in the Champions League, it feels like the FA Cup might be the best chance at silverware for for the Blues this season. What do you make of that? I mean, yeah, on paper it, it certainly does. But as we know, and I hate to be the you know the provider of, of football cliches, but obviously games are <laughs> they're not they're, they're not one on paper. And even though there's a, a number of teams there, if not most of the teams there. That you feel, yeah, we, we'd comfortably beat. It's, it's not as easy as that. And, you know, for example, what happens if we do get further in the Champions League and do we prioritise that? You know, a lot of different, there's a lot of different variables to think about. Um, but, you know, I do agree in terms of looking at the teams remaining in the FA Cup so far. As you mentioned, we've still got fixtures tomorrow evening as well, um, tomorrow evening in the UK anyway. And, you know, there are some very beatable teams. I mean, personally, I'd kind of love to play Burnley. I'd love to see uh, Vincent Kompany back at the Etihad, but as a manager this time. But um, yeah, so in terms of chances, I think I think we've got a great chance at the FA Cup. Be interesting to see what happens with United, uh, Man United that is, and West Ham's. And you know, Tottenham have got to go to Sheffield United. Bramall Lane is not an easy place to go, so I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a potential shock there. Um, but judging by the teams, I'd say we've got a great chance at the FA Cup. But um, again, tomorrow's a big night as well because Arsenal take on Everton. So we'll see if they've uh, been able to take advantage of their game in hand that they have over us. But, you know, if, if they don't, we're, you know, we're still well within that. I think we've got great chances at the, these competitions. I really do. But if you want to net, you know, file it down and narrow it down to one particular competition, you believe that we've got the highest probability of winning, then I'd probably agree. And I'd, I'd say the FA Cup, purely based on the teams that are there. Um, but again, we have to see what, what Pep decides to prioritise. And, you know, trying to predict what Pep's going to do is, uh, is anyone's guess. 
Alex, because I do want to narrow it down and and have you guys name one competition you think is is the best opportunity for City to win uh, silverware this season. FA Cup or bust? Uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think it's. I think it probably is. Um, I guess the the only thing you could say is that you know in the Premier League it looks like it is kind of it's City or Arsenal, isn't it? Whereas, you know, what's the what's a nightmare draw? I guess for the rest of the FA Cup, maybe I'd say the best teams left in it are well United if they win tomorrow. Um, I believe Brighton won tonight, didn't they? Wouldn't want to get Brighton away from home uh, in the next round or even at Wembley. Um, uh, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be the FA Cup. For for sake of giving you an answer and not go not in an arm for the next five minutes, I'll say uh, the FA Cup. Uh, it's not the one that obviously we we it's not the highest in terms of what we all want to win, but it's probably the most um, sort of achievable, I reckon. Yeah. Just for uh, to eliminate confusion, we keep saying tomorrow for the other uh, fixtures, but oh. this is actually going to be if you're listening to this. I think all three of us have done it at this point. If you're listening to this, um, it's going to be today for you, just to eliminate any confusion. That'll do from us today. Uh, big shout out to George and Alex for joining me, and thank you everybody for tuning in. Before we get out of here, if you enjoyed the show, please hit the like, follow, and subscribe buttons. Uh, leave us a review, leave us a rating. That's the best way for us to get the show out to more blues like you. Until next time, see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.